I'm going to pray right now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come to us and for us to be captured by the conversation of the Trinity this morning. So here we go. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we approach your throne of grace confident that you want us there. You've died to purchase our place in your heart, that you want to speak to us today, that you're a good daddy, that you're a good father, and that you have our best interest in mind, and that you are talking to us today and liberating us today and transforming us today into your likeness. And we love you, our Father. And so send us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I ask that you pop open our minds and our hearts so that the, that the, um, the unseen realm, the realm of the kingdom, becomes more real to us than the seen realm. I ask for angelic activity this morning. I ask for supernatural encounter this morning. I ask for the white-hot affection of the Father's love to be pouring into our spirit. I ask for you to upgrade our identities. I ask for you to increase our affection. I ask for you to pour out your spirit and take us into our destinies. Lord, that we would leave this planet and hear you say, Well done, my child. Well done. Way to go. You did exactly what I told you to do with the people I told you to do it with. And you held on to your identity with excellence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. I love it when God gives us prophetic perspective on what exactly is going on so that we can enter in to his purpose with enthusiasm, without question, without wondering if if we're the right people doing the right thing in the right way. It's really exciting to be able to hear clearly what God, our Father, is saying to us. And so that we can, we can, you know, walk, we can walk really boldly into our purpose. And so today, I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, it's all about Father. And I'll explain that in just a minute. It's all about Father and Josh comes up to me and gives me a prophecy during the first song that Ryan's leading about Father, you're a good, good father. And I said, look at my notes. And he looked at my notes after he prophesied over the Father heart of God and the family and even over myself. And right at the top, it's in quotes, it's all about Father. It's all about Father. And today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that out for you. I want to explain that to you and why that is so important to what we're about at Tribal, what we're about as a people, all right? So when we're in um, Redding, California at Bethel, we were having encounter after encounter with the Lord, the four of us, Josh and Amy and Janet and I. Many prophetic words were coming. And one of them that just came blowing down into us was this word, rally the tribe. Rally the tribe. And we heard the Lord say, I am going to um, cleanse the atmosphere from any toxicity that has been accumulated over the years. I am going to wash out doubt and unbelief. I'm going to heal wounds and disappointments. I am going to recall out of heaven with my Father's voice. I'm going to release a sound of heaven, a song from the heavenly realms. And I've predisposed and pre-wired people to hear that sound. They're going to hear a sound, 
and they're going to come together around me with my Father's heart and around the Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They're going to find each other around my love, and they're going to find their family, and that family is going to be able to unleash a clarity about their identity, and they're going to know who they are in the context of family. They're going to find out how much they're loved, and they're going to be unleashed into their destinies and their callings. Rally the tribe because there are people all over the world that I've called to be a part of this family. And I am going to now <clears throat> blow down the barriers of resistance that have distorted people, distracted people, caused people to get offended and hurt, and, uh, and to wander off with judgment and bitterness. I'm going to recollect my family, those that have been around for a while. But more than that, I'm going to call out from the heavenly realms to hundreds and thousands of men, women, boys, and girls. And I'm going to get them reconnected into their international family of affection. Could you all just repeat those words? International family of affection. That was a prophecy that we received, Mike Bickle and I and a whole bunch of others, way back in the 80s. The Holy Spirit came to the prophetic <clears throat> leaders around us, and there were a lot of them, and they were, quite frankly, very strange people. They would see angels, they would, they would hear things, they would go to heaven, they would come back, they would give us messages, and all these messages would manifest in the earth in very bizarre ways. But one of the most powerful things that we heard that kind of got lost in translation and in a way got kind of tucked away in some old closet in a chest of drawers where almost nobody's thinking about it. And here's that word. I am raising up a family of a, an international family of affection. And that word, that, well, by the way, that international family of affection will be used by the Lord to bring about a change of Christianity in our generation. There will be a complete re-upgrade uh, uh, and, and return to biblical, authentic faith that we read about in the book of Acts. And that God's going to raise up a people after his own heart that love him, that love each other, and that emit the Father heart of God to a, a lost and dying world. And so we've heard this now for years, and we gave our lives to it. And the reason why Janet and I and our young little family moved into the inner city was because it was the international hub of the Midwest. It wasn't just to be among the poor, it was to be among the international community, of which about 50 to 70 nations have resettled there as refugees to find a home in America and a safe place to walk out their dreams as well. So we moved into the inner, ci inner, inner city to be a part of the international community because God has called us to the nations. And He wants a tribe of people an international family of affection, a family of families. That's a tribe. A family of families, a translocal international family, a tribe. And he wants this family to be made up of black people. Awesome. Awesome. That's probably going to upgrade our worship a little bit. <laughs> he wants us to be, to be Native American. Come on. Oh, yeah, come on. He wants us to be, you know, Asian. Oh, man, think of that. He wants us to be, he wants us to be aboriginal. Come on. Whoa, I mean, there's people of colors, textures, 
flavors. And you need them in your life because they carry a sliver of Jesus. They carry a chunk of Jesus that if you don't connect with them at the heart level, the Jesus in them won't get all over you. So you're going to have to look past your prejudices and your issues and your, your predetermined ways, and you're going to have to see them by the Spirit. You're going to have to look past their, their, their eating habits, their languages, their, their, all, those, all those things that they're going to have to look past in you. Oh. So in other words, you carry a dork factor in your life Yes, that's right, that people are going to have to that fire, you know, blow through in order to touch the Christ in you. So God is forming this international family of affection. Now, the Rock tribe isn't the only tribe on earth, okay? Let's not get an elite spirit at all. First of all, the big tribe, Big T, is the whole body of Christ, right? I mean, it's everybody that loves Jesus, and man, we're into the big whole body of Christ, and in our early days, we set up a six-hour prayer watch in IHOP. You may not know this. From 6 in the morning to noon, every Sunday morning, we took and made a list of all the churches in Kansas City and the metro area. And we also created a hotline for any leader of any church to call in and get prayer. And at the, in the early IHOP days, we prayed over every church by name and leaders by name to see the Lord come to Kansas City. So, come on, we love the tribe Big T. Just shout out a couple of the, the denominations, the organizations that God brings to your mind right now. Just shout them out. Nazarene. Nazarene. <clears throat> what? Assembly of God, Methodist, Presbyterian. How you guys like Orthodox? Roman Catholics, come on. Episcopalians. There you go. You see, that wasn't so hard. And we love the body of Christ. I mean, come on. Wow. Now, we also love our tribe middle T. And our tribe middle T is the body, that part of the body of Christ that really likes revival, the presence of God, the gifts for today, the, the, the supernatural, the Holy Spirit's work in, the, you know, in signs and wonders, the people that like revival, the people that like the restoring of the church back to family, and the people that are going after kingdom transformation of cities, regions, and nations, the seven mountains. Of influence. Okay, so our tri-middle are oh, those groups and ministries that are kind of pressing in, pressing out, they're, they're paradigm shifters, they're game changers, they're on the radical side, they're a little bit bizarre, but we kind of like those people. And we work a little more directly with them. I would say that's like Heidi and Roland Baker. I would say that's like Randy Clark and Tom Jones. That's like Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin. You know, those would be some of the names. IHOP, for example, or, or the Vineyard. These would be some of the ministry entities that we feel a kinship with, and so we call them Tribe Middle T. And there's an accountability more directly to that Tribe Middle T. We are a part of global awakening. We are a part of global legacy. There's a submission and an accountability to the, to the larger body of Christ so that we don't run off in isolation and get... Uh, get into distortion so there's safety in numbers yes so try middle t and then we know that the lord is a family man he's a tribal god and and, and one of the books in james says right i write this letter to the 12 tribes of israel so we know that there are 
there, there was one tribe, but several or multiple levels of expression in that family. Like, there's only one church in Laramie, right? The Lord looks at Laramie and says, there's just one church in Laramie. But we know that there are uh, many expressions of his church in Laramie that we honor. Okay? So we know that in order to walk out these one another passages in Scripture, it's going to mean real names, real faces, real people, real cities that we're going to have to mix our lives together with in order to bring the kingdom. So our tribe, Little T, is the rock tribe. But our hope is to help facilitate the starting of many other translocal families around the world and not necessarily that they would join the rock tribe so we've started this ministry called jesus tribes simply to be an inspiration and a catalyst to launch other apostolic peoples in the earth and not require them to join us just because it's god's ways now we know that god's creating a great and mighty paradigm shift in the church correct something's up something very big is up and he's transitioning the church from one place to the next, and he's not tweaking the church. He's massively remodeling the church, rehabbing the church. Not everything is bad he's throwing out, but he's rehabbing the church in a, in a way that is staggering. And if you follow church history in the last hundred years, you can't miss it, beginning in Azusa Street and on through church history. So many massive changes are going on at a at a very, very rapid rate. And we've talked about this in the Rock Tribe quite a bit because of the calling. But I want to fundamentally point to one of the root issues that is being upgraded and is being, the, the church is being adjusted on. And that is this topic of the Father Heart of God and the building of the church as family. This is a foundational truth that God is recovering in people. And I'm going to read a couple of verses to describe it. But what I'm saying is this. The church in the past, and I was a part of this as well, was connected primarily around doctrine. You had to believe exactly the same things and sign off on a doctoral statement. Okay? So the unifying factor was maybe a doctrinal statement. How many of you understand what I mean? Okay, you had to adhere to the exact script of doctrine that that group had or you couldn't be a member. Or another way of aligning people was around polity. That is the form of church government. So the polity or the government, you, had to, you bought into their government, um, and that was your connecting piece. Now, I was a Presbyterian pastor. Come on, stop being shocked. And yes, I was, and I loved it in many ways. And, but Presbyterian means it was a word about the polity or the government of the church. It was multiple presbytery or Presbyterian is plurality of elders. And that's how we governed. And we had synods and we had presbyteries and we had elders. And we had a very clear form of government and the unity was around government. Okay, God is changing this right now. Not that he's going to ask Presbyterians to stop thinking about government or anything like that. But what he's doing is he's realigning the church around family. And yes, he wants good doctrine, of course. And yes, he wants good government. He's not throwing out doctrine or government. We want good doctrine and government. But what he's saying is, I want people to be unified around my father's heart, around family, and around the quality of their connection. Because in a given family, you might have people of, of a more liberal persuasion politically. Yes? And some more conservative. 
So what do you do? Get, kick them out of the family because they're liberal? Or kick them out of the family because they're conservative? Do we do that? What, what if there's a difference of opinion on just the form of baptism? Do we kick a person out of the family because they don't adhere to a certain tight script theologically? Do we do that? Do, would you kick anybody out of your natural family if they disagreed with you on some points? Would you do that? No, you wouldn't. Okay, so God is realigning the ch people, uh, the family of God around Father's heart and international family affection. And so he's raising up apostolic fathers and mothers and prophetic fathers and mothers, and he's making them the galvanizing glue of, of an organic family so that that family can basically see the father through their skin. It's really not about elevating a man or woman. It's really about creating a context that reveals the father heart of God to the population. And the best, the best um, evidence of God as father is family connected together in love that is being led by safe and loving and selfless fathers and mothers. Are you tracking with me? In other words, the Christian life is both taught and caught. It's not just taught, and it's not just caught. It's taught and caught through the skin of God's people. And the greatest thing we can do for Laramie or any other city is to have a vibrant family that emits the affection of the Father, and so that anybody that gets in our midst is captured by heaven and captured by the love of God for them and sees how God loves them, and they get a new identity as sons and daughters of God. They get a new connection at the heart level to exchange Christ's life, and they get a new uh, family business to bring the kingdom on earth. Oh, beloved, that is what's going to change the nations. So it's all about the Father. Now, Jesus was all about the Father, right? Didn't he say, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me? And actually, Philip says this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Thank you, uh, Pastor Mono. No, I mean Prophet Mono. Uh, if, here's what he said. If we see the Father, this is a great statement. If we see the Father... This is in, I think, John 14. We've seen everything. Show us the Father, and everything will be answered. All our questions will be sorted out if we see the Father. Because the Father clarifies our reason for existence. The Father, just seeing the Father, solves all the problems of the world. So that's what he said. Show us the Father. We've seen everything. That's a pretty big statement, yes? That's, everything. that's what people are looking for is the Father heart. Okay, so then he says, hey, don't you know that if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I am the skin of heaven. I am the embodiment of my Father. That's what he says. So then Jesus goes on to say, all I can do is what I see my Father doing. And my Father is always at work. And so all I want to do is please my Father. And I only say what my Father tells me to say. I only think what my Father tells me to think. I have a perfect relationship with my Daddy. My daddy and I are one. I am in the Father, and the Father's in me. And then he says this. This is incredible. My assignment, my number one assignment, this is Jesus talking, is first and foremost to reveal the, to the Father's heart to the people I'm around, and that's when he was alive as a man. His number one job as a man was to reveal Abba's heart. 
And that's what got him in trouble because he talked about God in very familiar daddy terms, not as a religious entity. That's what got him killed is his relationship with daddy, Abba. Okay, the second assignment he had was to die our death, shed his blood, go to the cross, and receive the justice and the judgment and the wrath of God on himself so that now he could open the way for us to have a pure, unadulterated, seamless intimacy with our Father in heaven. His job was to bring us to the Father. You can't come to the Father without the Son. I'm sorry. Other religions would say you can have the Father without having the Son. You can't. Jesus says you only can come to the Father but by through me. So that's why the Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus, and then Jesus leads us to the Father. So you go, can, go straight before your, to your daddy in heaven because the finished work of the cross has eradicated God's jo- uh, charge against you. He does not see you as a sinner. He does not see you as fallen. He does not look at you or relate to your false self. He only sees your truth self, and all he wants to do is interact with your true self as a son of God. So anytime you're preoccupied with your own negativity or your own badness, you are not in the conversation of the Trinity whatsoever. And anytime you become an expert on someone else's sin and you see the, quote, you know, log in their eye when actually, you know, whatever, you get my point. There's really a splinter and a log, but whenever you become an expert in judging other people and becoming uh, preoccupied with their false self and negativity, you are not in the heart of the Father at all. Because all God wants to do is tell people who they really are as he sees them. And that's all because of the work of Jesus. So now Christ takes us to the Father. The third assignment, and this is the verse I'm going to read. He says, first assignment, I want to, as a man, reveal the Father to the people I'm around. The second assignment, I'm going to do what it takes to get you to the Father. The third assignment, this is great, is that now in heaven, Jesus is continuing to reveal the Father to you and me. That's his assignment. He says, I'm going to reveal the Father, and I'm going to keep on revealing the Father. I don't care what kind of a knucklehead you're, you're, you're acting like. I'm going to break through, Lenny. I'm going to break through, and I am going to penetrate the wounding in your heart. And honestly, I don't think it's as much rebellion as it is wounding. I think most people's resistance is they've been traumatized. We'll get that in a minute. So let's read this verse. It's in John Oh, gosh, I got so many verses. John 17, Jesus is uh, talking to the Father, John 17, 25, and he says, Righteous Father, righteous Father, good Father, though the world does not know you. What a statement. What a sad statement. Though the world does not know you, I know you. And that's, that's not intellectual information. That word in the, in the Greek is the most intimate term for intimate connection. It's the word Adam knew Eve. How did Adam know Eve? Was that a fairly intimate exchange? When the Bible says Adam knew Eve? Okay, that's, that's a high-level intimacy. And that word is the same word. I have a high-level intimacy with you, Father. I don't have just doctrinal you know, accuracy about your essence. I know you. And, and they know, they're beginning to figure out that you sent me, that we're, we're ganging up on them to show them love. 
I have made you known to them by who I was, by what I said, by how much I operated in power. And I'll continue. This is a great word. I'm going to continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Oh, beloved, listen to this. Jesus is currently bombarding you with messages of affection at a broad rate, and he's softening you up to infiltrate you with a revelation of the love of the Father so that you will know who you are and why you're on the planet. And he is not going to let up until he's gotten victory and the full wounding of your heart, the toxicity inside of you, is displaced by his affection. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Every second of every minute, God is trying to get your heart to be opened and get your attention and break through the wounding and the offenses and the hurts and the disappointments so that you can live from heaven to earth in his presence. And that's what Jesus is up to right now. If you wonder, what is Jesus doing? He is interceding for you. He is contending for you. He is, dis- he is dispatching angels to get around you and to minister to you. He is motivating people to affection you. He is setting people to, up to love you apart from what you do and how you act. He is good newsing you at the highest level. Oh, is that just like, are you getting a jacuzzi on the inside? I mean, like, come on, man, something's got to be bubbling up in there. Yeah, jacuzzi, the shimmering plasmic, jelly-like substance of God the Father's affection flowing like a li- literal river inside your spirit, eternal life. Oof. Oof. All right. Now, we're in a rehab season, obviously. This building is a prophetic symbol of your life and our church and our tribe. And rehabbing has two parts to it. And both are good if you look at it the right way. Oh, remodel. Thank you, Amy, for the translation. We're remodeling. Thank you. That's why we're a team. No, that's <laughs> Maybe we are. <laughs> Maybe we are an AA. Maybe we are a recovery group. Oh, never mind. Thank you. I love it. All right, rehabbing, remodeling, restoring has a couple of stages, and God is restoring us. He's rehabbing us. He's remodeling us. He's, we're in recovery. What happens? What happens? The first step is demo, baby. Out with the bad. Out with the bad. It's, it's, he starts wrecking everything. He starts tearing everything up. He starts pulling out carpet. And we had a prophetic word in Bethel where this woman prophesied. She goes, I see someone in this room has just gotten a building that's about 40 years old and you're tearing out the carpet and you're restoring it because it's going to be a revival hub, a revival center. And we want to, oh my God, that's us, because we had just been tearing out carpet. So she's, they were, God was like, you're on the right track. 
Okay? And so in re remodeling, you, it's out with the bad. No, I'm having fun. It's out with the bad, and that's important. You dismantle things. And it's critical that you know that there have been illegal props that have come into your life to sustain you that aren't really helpful, but you think they are helpful. And they're called little idols. They're little false props to hold you up and keep you going. And you think that if you hold on to your fear and you hold on to your addictions and you hold on to your need for the affirmation of man and you hold on to your identity from your work or what people say, you think that if you hold on to those things, that will secure you because nothing else is that secure. So you had to build your own inner construct to hold yourself up. And God goes, oh, this is going to be painful. Because uh, you're going to think I'm attacking you. When I'm not attacking you, I'm attacking the idols in you. And because you're so inseparably connected to them, you think you're one with them. You have an alliance with them. You've cut a deal with hell. I've got to sever and surgically remove the idol from you. But I'm not killing you, but I'm just taking out your idol. and It's going to feel like I'm killing you. So I've got to break you. And I've got to tear out old stuff. Because in the end, it's not going to work. So one of our leaders in the Rock Tribe, his name is Norman Marcy Willis. And they are amazing. They're a part of our APES leadership team, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. And they've gone through a lot of deconstruction, a lot of dis dismantling of things. Not that they were evil, but sometimes the good can rip off the great. How many of you know that? We once, uh, we've done a lot of remodeling, and, um, you know, in the 70s, they used to have avocado green stoves and refrigerators, right? Right? When I, see, oh, avocado clean, and shag carpet, kind of reddish-orange. Come on, baby. And <clears throat> I've ripped out more cat urine-infected uh, red shag carpet than you can ever imagine. But at one time, it was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. And avocado, it was good. A little snotty looking, but it was good. But God wanted great. He wanted harvest gold. No, never mind. That was a joke for those of you old timers. You young people go like, I don't know what he's talking about. Never mind. It's stainless now and then yay beyond. Okay. Now, the Willises, back to them. They're in Europe in their favorite place, vacationing, and they find out a fire was, got started by an electrical short in their home, and, and their, their home is in Kirkland, Washington, on this amazingly beautiful property, and they have a guest home that helps to subsidize their income. This fire got caught by a 10-year-old boy. He saw the burning. He called 911, and they intervened. Otherwise, the thing would have burnt down to a crisp. But all that happened, but it was pretty serious, is that it burned part of the inside, and then the smoke just decimated everything else. Like, it even got into the refrigerator. It just got everything. It just saturated the entire house. It just, when you walk into it, it's just one smelly, nasty, black hole. And so, so to set this up, the story up even further, back around eight months ago, Norm calls and he says, you've got to pray for me. I said, what? He goes, my roof is leaking, and I had a bid, and that's $100,000 to fix my roof. I don't have $100,000.
I said, dude, hire me, I'll do it for 50. No, I, <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> like, that's serious Northwest prices. I mean, we can, I mean, I'll make a chunk of money at 50 grand. He starts laughing. I was serious. <laughs> All right, so, so in the conversation I'm having with him just a day or two ago, I said, so tell me something. When the insurance company came in to bid the rehab, did they include the roof? He goes, oh, Tim, you will not believe this. And he gets a little teary. He goes, they're going to put the best roof ever back on my house for nothing. They're going to put all new windows in my house. They're going to completely gut my house. They're going to build it back better than it was. Starting, they're going to pull everything out to the studs, re rewire, replump, whatever they got to do. All brand new carpet, and our carpet was like 18 years old and kind of nasty. All new carpets, all new appliances, all new cabinets, all new everything. We're getting a massively upgrade in our home. Now listen, you got to have, initially when your house burns down, you got to have the eyes of daddy love to interpret that as a good thing. Right? You're in Europe and you get a call, a desperate call from your kids and they're weeping. You won't believe it. The place of our birth, our home is falling apart. It's burned up. And they're going, oh my God, not another dismantling, not another dis, you know, deconstruction. God, we can't take any more of this. We're dying here. <clears throat> and Father's just silent. Do you trust that I'm good or not? Do you count it all joy when you encounter various trials or don't you? Am I a good father or not? Because that's what it's all about. And I'm going to use these circumstances that are horrific and terrible, and I'm going to redeem them. You just don't know about it right now. Hang on. Hang on. And so they did. They get back. The insurance company gives them the announcement. And, beloved, it is, it is a lot of money that's going to go into that home. And after a year plus that it's going to take, and by the way, they're putting them up, in a fancy house commensurate to the value of their home, which means they have a view of, yeah, hello, and they're in a hotel on the waterfront right now kissing Jesus. And they're praising the Lord because Daddy came through. But he had to deconstruct something in order to reconstruct something, and that's part two. Dismantle to rebuild. And so God is dismantling things in your life. Beloved, not to hurt you, not to, he's to kill, he's trying to kill your false self so that your true self can live. Now the devil's trying to kill your true self so your false self can live. But God is killing your false self so your true self can live. And he's not going to stand around as a jealous father, as a jealous God, and let you have a love affair with the world. Because you aren't free when you're addicted to idols. You're only free when you know your daddy. And so, here's Father. He is doing it right now. This is the house that Father built. And God is washing out a, a, a number of things out of this place in order to reveal what he's like. Now, I want to reassure everyone, our vision has never changed, and it will not change. It's crystal clear. It's in writing. You can't change the vision. I didn't get it. We all, a bunch of us got it. I mean, I did get it, but we, many of us did. Our values aren't changing. We're about the kingdom. We're about revival, restoration, transformation. 
The reason we got this facility wasn't now to retract and regress back into the old model of church. Please don't let your orphaned, wounded places conclude that God has now stopped everything and we're going back to a more religious model. That, that is ridiculous. What God is doing is he's setting up a place where we can encounter the Father heart of God, that we can experience family life, and that we can send the signal to our community that Daddy loves them. And when we get together, and how we get together, we'll feel family, and that will never go away, because that's a core value that God has in the earth. We're not going to replace family with a system or a program. Okay? So I, I know that what happened was people saw this building and they, they started freaking out because it regressed back to some boring Sunday morning meetings where they got wounded and got chewed out and got abused by spiritual abuse. And so now buildings are associated with abuse and religion. And so they, they, they're, it, it's affecting their inner orphan conversations. Oh, we know now. We know what buildings represent. They represent abuse and wound and religion. And we're going, stop that. Stop, being re stop thinking about life through the lens of your, of your yesterday's wounds and start re-engaging re the Father in what He is doing. We will never be based in a building as our primary support system. That's an idol. We will only connect around the Father heart of God as family through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Period. But in Wyoming, you've got to get out of the wind, people. Good Lord. I want to worship all night again, many nights with Ryan and with Mono. And you, that was electric. Well, I'm sorry, but standing outside in the windstorm and the hail smacking us around isn't going to work. All right. So we have been rehabbing to be rebuilding, to rally the tribe, to create a family that reveals the Father's heart. There are two substitutes for Father that I just want to mention that have been attempting to rip you off from the truth of who you are and who you're called to. Rip off number one, counterfeit Father number one is the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is revealed in the younger brother who said, I want to go out and experience hedonistic pleasure because hedonistic pleasure is more real to me and more important to me than my Father in heaven. So humanism, hedonism, the philosophies of the world, that spirit of the world. It's called the spirit of the world. It's a real spirit. It's a real demon that has seducing influences. He says, come on, come on, you'll have more fun. More fun getting a buzz. More fun escaping. More fun. And then the spirit of the world has all these isms. Humanism right? Socialism, capitalism, communism. Yeah, I did say capitalism. I said that. Why? Because our Savior isn't a monetary system, although I'm a, I believe in free market and free enterprise. I think that's in the Bible, all right? But I don't, we don't worship capitalism or socialism or any ism because isms are never meant to replace God, the Father, our life is in the Father, not in an ism. And the prevailing ism of America, by the way, is humanism. 
where man has been exalted above God. Or naturalism, where nature has been exalted above God and we worship nature more than the creator of nature. So that's, that's counterfeit father number one. Counterfeit father number two is a religious spirit. It substitutes form and information and content and scripts and programs for following father. It's a substitute counterfeit father. Jesus said, oh, you have a father all right. He's a religious father and he's a father of lies because he's, he's distracted you from me and replaced it with, with uh, information and doctrine and programs and rules and laws that you've got to keep in order to be accepted. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were sad, you see, they... Help me. Help me. Help me. They, they were attempting... They hijacked the conversation over the Father and brought it over into a counterfeit system, a system of religion that detracted people from the love of the Father. And the one clause in their basic message is, if you do this, then God will love you. And the if word, if and then, were the key hooks. It's, it's giving to get, and they were all monetarily benefiting from the system. So they had a vested interest in what was going on. And their, their tactic was fear and not love. And in comes Jesus Christ, the Son, the firstborn among many sons, the prototype Son, the Son that's going to show you who the Father is and who you are, and the Son that's going to work a work in you so that you do what He did and you say what He says. He's that Son. He's your elder brother and the firstborn. He's the prototype. He's, he's an example of what you are being built to become. You are it now, if you're born again, but you're growing into who you are. And so Jesus comes and says, you got it all wrong, religious people. This is what Father's like. This is what He's really like. I want to tell you, people are walking around Laramie with two, two basic orientations and you know what they might have a mixture of both all at the same time they might be walking around in the spirit of the world and then all of a sudden as the world beats them down because the wages of sin is death and the hook on the end of that conversation is you are now a slave to your own addiction that isn't fun so they're going to wake up one day and figure out i'm trapped in my own god my own god has not liberated me my own god has enslaved me then they're going to switch over and try to be good Try to keep the rules. Go to more meetings. Add more, you know, religious hubla to their equation and think that if they're good and read their Bible, that God now is obligated to, you know, to help them. You know what? God's going to resist that too. And they're going to find as much death, if not more death, in that attempt to strive to win God's love than they did in the world. Then they're going to kick back to the world and get buzzed because they can't pull off being good. And they're going to waffle back and forth, waffle back and forth until you step up with your radiant, fun, smiley face, full of affection, full of goodness, full of freedom, full of love, full of the gospel, and you're going to love the hell right out of them. And it's going to have, I wasn't cussing. And they're going to feel the Father's heart coming through you. And they're going to, what is it that, what vibe are you sending here? What are you emitting? 
Dude, it's awesome. I mean, I, that's Colorado talking. I had to relate. <laughs> Maybe California. And you're going to go, I'll tell you what it is. It's the love of the Father through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. All right, so we're now under the same mandate of Jesus, and that's why God's saying rally the tribes. Okay, the same thing Jesus did, this is our assignment. Here's your assignment. Your assignment is to know God, your Father, through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your assignment is to know God. Beloved, listen to this. The greater revelation you have of the goodness and wonderfulness and greatness of your Father will determine the degree of your health as a person. Your identity is awaiting the revelation of Father. You will not know yourself outside of seeing the Father and knowing His goodness. And so your whole essence is wrapped up into seeing the Father's love and knowing what He says about you. Not only that, you cannot... Well, I, I don't want to go to number two. So your number one assignment is to meet the Father, to know the Father, and for you to realize that His words are wise, to trust His direction in your life, and to obey him quickly, cheerfully, and completely. Why? Because everything he asks you to do is in your best interest, even though it might hurt your sting your flesh a little bit. So you got to know that the way you relate to daddy is a very big deal. That if you're blowing his instructions off, if you're disobeying him, there's a, there's a significant consequence to that. Not that he's judging you and condemning you, but that you, he wants to bless you and you're, you're, you're pulling yourself outside of the context that he can bless you. So the way we relate to that is critical. And I want to tell you, it's taken me many years to fight through my emotional wounding and offense at my own dad enough to get to what God was really like. You know what I'm saying? At an emotional level, at an intellectual level, I knew the message. At an emotional level, I wanted nothing to do with Father. At an emotional level. And so it took, it's taken a long time for me to emotionally absolutely adore and love my Father because He adores and loves me. And in that divine exchange, I've become healed. But the second thing you got to do is you got to help reveal the Father to your family. I want to tell you something. You have to be set into family. The lonelies are all set in families, natural and spiritual, because it's the family that is the context for your development as a person. You cannot get healed, nor can you mature outside of family. And so if you're blasé, indifferent, casual, come and go, check in, check out, and you don't have a divine connection in a meaningful way with a real spiritual family, you have, you have dwarfed your development. You have arrested your own growth. Down into the brain science, and I won't go into this because this is going to come out in the microchurch training that you need to come to. We're going to talk about microchurch families on mission. You want to come to this because we're going to deal with this. But listen, in your brain is our pleasure centers. There's joy centers. The only thing that will cause your brain to go, grow is if it's stimulated by the affection of other people. In other words, as a baby when you're born, the number one need you had was to be the twinkle in someone else's eye. You needed someone over there. You needed somebody making a big deal about you. Holding you, affectioning you, speaking to you, loving you. That triggered hormones in your brain and caused it to expand. 
You can't get to where you're going developmentally in your brain, in your personality, in your emotional intelligence, in your relational skills. You cannot become a whole person that walks the earth changing the planet if you aren't in family, in a tribe. And not just in a little local church, in a tribe with people that are of different colors, different smells, different, you know, different ways of doing life. You've got to have the immersion into a tribe to know what life is like well if it's a healthy tribe. I'm not talking a cult. I'm not talking a cult that's got abuse and lifts up one man. I'm talking about a family. All right. Developmentally, mature-wise, you can't get healed. It was a family that messed you up, beloved. You were traumatized in family. Anybody get what I just said? If a family messed you up, it's going to take a family to unmess you up. Come on, I'm telling you. God's not going to bypass his ways. He's a father and a son. He builds his kingdom relationally in family, natural and spiritual. I just ordered some top coating to, to redo my car, to put a seal on, against the sun. And I got a letter back. It says, welcome to the top coat family. For God's sake, it's just a chemical that goes on my car, and now I'm in their family. <laughs> Seriously. People are hijacking this term and misdefining it and abusing it and raping the word, and I, it, it makes me crazy. We're in the Bronco nation. We're in the Bronco family. I mean, all right, I want the Broncos to win, for God's sake, but I'm not in their family because if you don't make enough tackles, you're fired. It's not good news. One little snap of your ligament, you're out. Dude, all right, I love the Cowboys, but come on. We're in a family of God in the Rock Tribe in a rejection-free zone where the gospel of grace permeates the atmosphere. You've got to be surrounded in the liquid love of people, attached at a heart level to the skin of heaven, or you will not thrive. You'll only survive and beloved, you don't want that at the end of your resume, at the end of your life. Well, I survived. Sicker than a dog, but I survived. So let me tell you, you were traumatized in life, whether it was in a natural family or not. Trauma A, omission. You should have had a lot of things in your life you didn't get. Trauma B, commission. Things happened to you that hurt you and have damaged you and have left you permanently scarred, except for the gospel except for the indwelling Christ and the Father heart of God and the family of God that can begin to heal you at a fundamental root level from your trauma and heal you from the effects of that damage and set you free to start growing into your destiny and calling and identity. How's that one? But you cannot pull that off without covenant family. And that's why we're going to rally the tribe. We're not going to apologize for this. We're not going to, oh, oh, sorry, you know, we have been called everything under the sun, as you can imagine. But the thing that will keep us from drifting off into the left or the right of danger is that, one, we're going to submit to the Christ and the whole body of Christ. We're going to be accountable. We're not going to be this little sequestered cult that, you know, that doesn't submit to the Christ and other people. In other words, we're easily correctable. We're transparent. We're wide open. And we'll be guided and guided by the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the people of God. And we'll do everything to insulate ourselves from warped practices. 
so that we're clean and free. And one of the greatest determinants of a healthy family is that the atmosphere always stays free. There's no oughts and shoulds. In other words, if you go, we love you. If you come, we love you. We love you, no strings attached. We're not offended. We're not controlling because fear-based cultures control. Love-based cultures create freedom. And if you're going to be in an environment built on love, you have to have an atmosphere where the freedom is prominent and you never suck freedom out of the air so that people feel that they're going to be, uh, you know, uh, scorned if they don't do what you want or they leave the house. Now, it doesn't mean we don't desire people to stick around, but we can never demand it. See the difference? Because it's in their business to just stick around. So that's how God is building. So number two is you need to know the Father, but you need to connect into family and not just be a passive shower-upper and leave-her-outer. You can't just be a, 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 a kind of a, a, a taker you know, kind of a consumer. Please don't think like that because as Lenny found out, he comes in here and he sows his life and as he sowed, he reaped. It's the law of reciprocity. And he came in and says, I'm going to stop dabbling and playing and taking and consuming. I'm going to come in here as a son in the house. I'm going to own the house. I'm going to throw my heart in there. And then he meets, you know, he gets to work with Mr. You know, Mr. Vibrant Love Affection uh, Mono and mono mono him, and it's like unbelievable, and he gets jacuzzied in the mono-love that's Jesus from the Father, right? Was it intoxicating? And then you got Bob. And then you get Bob. And almost 99% of the time, he's happy. I've seen him on the 1% when he got a little grumpy, but you know what? He's seen my 97% ratio, so anyway, there you go. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. You get in the middle of something and you own the house. Now, I don't, I tell you what, when somebody owns the house, they walk in different than when they're a guest, right? When you're a family member, you walk in different. And if there's toilet paper on the bathroom floor and you own the house, what do you do to the toilet paper? You pick it up. If there are stains, and I won't mention what kind of stains are on the toilet bowls, what do you do to those toilet bowls? When you, as you own the house, what do you do? You wipe them off. What do you do when your house church is showing up, eating a meal, and going to connect with each other and help each other reach their faith goals? What do you do? But what if somebody says, let's go mountain biking? Let's go rock climbing. Derek, what do we do? What do we do when the family says we have a family gathering, this is a big deal, your presence is important, you can influence us with your absence, and you said, no, 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 my agenda trumps the family vision and the family heart. What happens? Well, you still love them, but you do put them in a headlock and slap them around a little bit. No, wait a minute, I said freedom. Didn't I say freedom? No, but you, you can say, hey, look, Let's talk about your behavior and how it affects us because you're important and stop underestimating yourself for God's sake. For God's sake. I wasn't cussing again. All right. Finally, you see the Father, you help build a family proactively, meaningfully, profoundly, 
And then together, individually and together, what do we do? We reveal the Father to Laramie, to Kansas City, to Juarez, to El Paso. We emit the affection of the Father, no strings attached. Not to get them to join, just because we like doing it. And I tell you, Janet has a great story. I'm going to repeat it. She, Janet loves people wherever she goes. It's amazing to watch. In grocery stores, at the bank. She's called the bank mama. It's amazing. People run out from behind the counter to hug her in the middle of the banks. Okay? Because she emits love. And she's been loving on this woman that lost her husband. She's the checkout at the King Super off 287. Janet's been loving her. And every time she sees Janet in the aisle, she comes running to Janet. When she's shopping, when she's on or off, she hugs Janet. Janet hugs her. And just recently, Janet ran into her, and the woman goes, Hey, Janet, I just, I've been hoping to see you. She goes, In four days, I'm retiring from work, and I didn't want to retire and not say goodbye. And so they're hugging in the aisle. They're, they're crying, and they're this and that. She goes, Oh, I'm going to miss you so much. And so Janet, what does she do? She goes, God, I'll see you. I'll, when I check out, I'll say goodbye. She runs over and buys flowers. She buys a bouquet of flowers. And it was on the day of her retirement, Janet takes these flowers to this woman, and this woman has a meltdown at the checkout counter at work. Hugs Janet, and she goes, give me your number. Who are you? Give me your phone number. Now, Janet wasn't doing this to get her to join Rock All Nations Church in northern Colorado. Janet was just admitting the love of the Father. Yeah? Now, who got more out of it, Janet or this woman? I don't know. Because when you are a gusher for the affection of heaven, when you emit that life to people, I don't know. Who gets more jacuzzied? Who gets more wet, the inside of the hose or the people getting sprayed down? I, I don't know. I, I mean, seems like a no-brainer to me. And so I want to tell you, the world is waiting for the love of the Father. The world is waiting for family. The world needs hope. The world is sick of the two counterfeit gods that it's bought into. It's waiting for the real deal. It's waiting for the authentic. That authentic is tribes. I'm not saying, it's not a commercial for the rock tribe. It's just the concept of tribes. Now I'm going to pray for a riveting outpouring of the presence of the Father's heart because it's all about the Father. Now we do lift up, we love the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus and keeps working. It's the, it's the Spirit of the Father and we love Jesus. I love Him. But I tell you what, Jesus wants me to love the Father so that I can experience the Father's love and give it out and irradiate His affection. You know, all the time, everywhere with everyone. Wouldn't you love to just live like that? Man, I want to live like that. Sometimes I'm a little nasty. I'm a little self-absorbed. I'm a little narcissistic. And the Lord goes, Tim, come on back to who you are, what I am, what we're about on the planet. We can do this. And then our businesses in Laramie will change because they'll be kingdomized and under the love of the Father. How about that for a cool vision? Guess what? University of Wyoming will change too. Because the love of the Father is going to hit the campus. Guess what? It's going to bleed down into North Colorado. It's going to change. Kansas City is going to change from the inside out. You know why? The love of the Father and all those little orphan children walking around 
that have generational of family curses on them are going to get pulled out of their curses and re-blessed with the Father's heart. So this isn't lifting up a man. It's not even lifting up us. It's lifting up what the Father is doing in the earth. Would you stand, and we're going to pray for an impartation of the Father's blessing. And take hands as a symbol of our connectedness together. Beloved, this is revival. This is revival. Uh, when we talk about a, a revival house, this is the Father's house. It's a house the Father built. And revival is an explosion of the deconstructing of the bad and the reconstructing of the good in the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A white-hot love of the Father pouring through us and a connection of family bringing the kingdom on earth. That's the vision of the house. Okay, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I know you've been laughing and enjoying your message to us today. We, you've been good-newsing me and good-newsing us, and I thank you, Father, that this is what you're saying to the church today. And I thank you, God, that you get us, you've, you've positioned us to hear this. And we're not ahead, and we're not behind, and we're, we're getting exactly what you want us to get. And so I pray a Father's blessing right now on every person here, Lord, that you would satiate their spirit, their souls, and even their bodies in the love of the Father. And that you would connect them with their family that you sovereignly wanted to join them with on the earth. And that you would detox us from offenses and unforgiveness and bitterness and judgment and enable us to treat people with mercy and grace because that's how you treated us. So Lord, put your anointing down upon this family and on this tribe. I speak a blessing over the Rock Tribe. Mano, come on, can you stand with me right now? We're going to speak a blessing over the Rock Tribe. Rock Tribe, without an elite spirit, without an illegal elevation of ourselves above the body of Christ, in all humility as servants to the church, we bless you. We bless you and we rally you. Those that can hear the sound of heaven, we call you in to this family because we love you. We will not hold up your sins against you. We will not make you jump through hoops. We will welcome you with open arms into your family. And we will extend the mercy and grace of God consistently to you. And we will tell you of your true self and not remind you of your false self. We will be the safest place on earth by the grace of God. We will be a place that you can know who you are as a daughter or son, that you can find your people who is the White House environment white hot house environment for you to grow and thrive, be healed and matured, so that you can bring the kingdom wherever you work, wherever you play, wherever you live. This is the purpose of our tribe, to bring glory to God, exalting the love of the Father and through Jesus Christ. Now, we bless our tribe, Middle T. Iris Ministries, Rollin and Heidi. We bless Global Awakening, Randy Clark and Tom Jones. We bless... Global Legacy, and Bill Johnson, and Chris Fallatin, and the others. We bless our Middle, C, uh, middle T tribe. We bless you all. Sam Matthews, family of faith, who is coming to tribal. We bless, 
We bless you. We bless you. We bless the church. We call the whole church into this extraordinary vision of the Father's heart through Jesus by the Spirit. We ask, God, that you would take the denominational churches and tribalize them so that the affection of the Father flows through them and use us to be a catalyst for the reviving, the restoring, and the transforming of the earth. Now, we breathe on you, Holy Spirit. We breathe on you. Holy Spirit, breathe. We bless you. The Spirit of the Lord bless you now. I see angels coming around every one of you to help, to help liberate you from the prisons that you've been in of depression and discouragement. I see angels being dispatched. I see the hand of the Spirit of God on you right now. I see the Father blessing you. I see many of you repenting because repenting is the deconstruction. Oh gosh, I'm going to turn away from that stinking thinking. I'm going to stop self-protecting. I'm going to stop moving in fear and I'm going to start jumping into trusting the Father with these people, with myself, and I'm going to play ball in the kingdom. I'm going to stop living on the fringe of life. I'm going to jump in with my time, my love, my affections, my energies, my resources. I bless you now. Mano, do you have a blessing at all? Do you want to pray? or, Whew, Come, Lord. We'll just stick a little longer. We're going to get a blessing from Mano. You're one, one step of faith away from a new season. And uh, I just released that step of faith, that uh, worry and fear are no longer your masters, but the rest of faith that Hebrews 3 talks about, which has its roots in wicked unbelief. Unbelief was the reason why they could not enter the Sabbath rest. And lack of activity has not provided that rest. You're one step of faith away. So there's a line, and on this side there is worry and fear, fear-based decisions, emotions, and you're one step of faith away from a new season. And I release the, the boldness of the Lord, that a face-to-face encounter. If you hear his word today, do not discount it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing from the Word of God. So if the Word of God has spoken to you, if God has spoken His Word to you, then capture it with faith, as in with your heart, and take that step, that leap of faith, one step of faith away. I release you to trust Father again. That to cancel, you are not defined by by your past, and you're not defined by your old season. There's one step, and the Lord says, come. Come to me. I will protect your heart. I will guard you. I will be the one fathering you. So I release that. I release that. If you hear his word today, you take that step, that you would be bold and enter his rest, a divine rest in the midst of everything you do, you have shalom. I release that.
Fear, you're a broken. Worry, you're a dispelled. I release faith over you. Mm. You were meant to hear this today. Mm. Amen. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and just animate your spirit. Just welcome the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord. There you can feel that tingly energy, or some of you, some of you are feeling just that healing going on, that hope. You know, if God's a good father, he really does have good spiritual fathers as well. I know that many of us have been abused and hurt by the church and by other men and women. And so our default is distrust. I get that. Happened to me. But you know what? If God's a good God and he's changing his church, why doesn't he have the power to raise up well-motivated people who have your best interest in mind? Why does everybody have to you think about judging, prejudging everyone's motives as being mixed? That's not true. There are a lot of people that aren't in it for the money or the fame or the glory. They just love the Father and they love you, and that's it. They're not trying to get rich and famous off you. They're not trying to build their own kingdom. They want to see God's kingdom grow. But God is going to have to raise up fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, to, to pull this off. So please don't trap other people in your predisposed biases and prejudices and wounding. Don't do that to yourself. You don't want that done to you. You don't want that done to anyone. I don't want that done to me. It's been done a lot. But I just, I just want to, like, let's be innocent until proven guilty. Can we just do that? That's kind of, like, smart. Let's, let's cleanse the palate. Let's cleanse the whiteboard. And all the accusations and courtroom conversations you have about the church and about leaders and about bosses and about pastors... You know what? You need to take a big old dry erase and wash that board clean. And start over, give yourself a break, and let God bless you without walking on eggshells and pre being predisposed toward negativity. Stop driving with the brakes on. It's time to live wild and bold in the Lord with the wisdom of God, in the family of God, Abandoned to his purposes. That's the only fun way to live. Your, your heart was built for white hot. So let repentance hit you today. Repent and times of refreshing are on the other end of that. That's what Mana was saying. That step of repentance moves you into divine positioning where your life can get arrested and built and blessed by heaven. Oh, cloud of glory come. God bless. There you go. More, more, more. Some of you are sensing an even greater sense of presence right now. That love anointing. Now, Lord, I loose the love anointing to this house, to this tribe, the rock tribe. The anointing of the love of the Father, the affection of Christ Jesus, the joy of the Lord, the oil of gladness, freedom psychological, freedom relational, freedom, you know, even in your sexual identities and preferences. May the Lord heal you, those watching that have had identity confusion. May the Lord heal you in the love of the Father. May the Lord liberate you at every level. May you come to be a fully alive man or woman, boy or girl, in Jesus' name. Now just bless the persons around you right now. Just take a minute and say, may the Father bless you. May the Father bless you. Thank you, and God bless you all.